You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and I will answer as many as I can. You know, we look at people's successes, we say, wow, but, you know, here we like to talk about the journey even more. Our special guest today, all the way from Israel, Moshe Gerst, all the way from Israel, as I said, but didn't start in Israel. He actually started in Los Angeles on and continuing an amazing journey. And by the way, an accomplished author and speaker. Moshe, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Good. You know, uh, the first thing I thought when I saw you sitting there is here I am in Detroit um, it's not freezing outside. It's, you know, maybe in the 40s today. It's a warmer day. And I'm thinking, Israel, my wow. son says weather is beautiful, and you are wearing a sweater. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, a, it, it's, not, it's not 40 degrees. It's probably something like 70, 65, 60. But it's, you know, it's chilly. It's night. <laughs> there you have it. If it's 65 or 70, you're chilly. Okay. So um, it's like my son when he comes up from Miami to visit us. So his all his winter stuff is in my basement. But, you know, anything below 60, they're putting on the coats already. But anyways, okay, good. As long as I know it's not snowing where you are. Here it's snowing this week. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, it's different, man. It, is, it, it doesn't really get that cold here. I mean, it happens to be when it gets cold, it's freezing. But... It doesn't get cold too often. Good, good. Enjoy your beautiful weather. So we talked, I'm not sure where you're up to, we'll get to it later. Um, before we talk about your book, we got to talk about your, uh, your journey, which I really want to get into. But first things first, who is Moshe Gerst? Man, who is Moshe Gerst? Um, uh, it's fun. It's fun to be Moshe Gerst. Um, yeah, Baruch Hashem. I am. Uh, it was my birthday this week, so I'm. I'm a 34 year old uh, author and spiritual teacher, Rebbe in yeshiva here in Yerushalayim. But I'm from Los Angeles, born and raised. Um, a musician, songwriter. Uh, but I think those are all things on the outside. I'm. I'm a person who is in process, living life as present as I can be, enjoying my family, and really soaking up the time that we have in this world. And it's precious. That's probably wow. where I'm at. That is such a powerful answer. First of all, I even like that you, that you threw in after you say your litany of things that you're talented at, because um, my list is not so long. But, um, but you, <laughs> you, you, just, you know, like some of us always dreamed, be a musician, do this, be an author, writer, all these things. And we all have our own talents, which is good. That's what makes the world exciting. But, but to, 
to recognize that a person can recognize to, as we say, live in the moment and enjoy um, what you have. Just the recognition is is amazing. But let's let's find. And by the way, happy birthday! Now that we know. Thank you. Um, so, anyways, so let's go back. Let's talk California. So, um, tell us a little bit about your childhood, how you grew up, where you grew up, what you can tell us. Well, I was born and raised in Southern California in Los Angeles, and my family uh, was not uh, religious by any means uh, until until I was about eight years old, eight or nine years old. Uh, I was like basically every other kid raised very traditional, uh, strong Jewish values. And uh, but, you know, we went, you know, to the beach on Saturday mornings. We had our, you know, cartoons that we used to watch and whatever it is. And uh, my my grandfather had passed away, I think, when I was about five. My father went on a journey during that time. And by the time I was eight, he uh, he had connected to Chabad and uh, they started becoming more religious and they became orthodox. By the time that I'm 13, I'm in you know, black and white and with my black hat and I'm in Yeshiva High School. I'm in, uh, you know, go, go, we made a pretty quick transition from like not really being involved to very involved uh, pretty fast. It's probably about years. Uh, as a kid, that was um, a major adjustment, really just on, on more of like a religious end. But I should mention on a spiritual end, my home was always very spiritual. God soul, you know, Hashem, Neshama, all, all the, the aspects of the, the inner being was very, very present. I was raised with a very clear vision of what life is about, purpose, meaning, reincarnation, re- really some of the deepest things were kind of like natural, just the way that my parents had raised me. Uh, but then there was something else called religion or something else called Torah, and, and they didn't have to be this together, meaning spirituality and God was one thing, and then Torah and religion was something else, and those, that seemed like a, a bunch of nice ideas. They didn't really connect all the way. And during that time, okay, so I had God, and religion is whatever. That's what, I guess, groups do. My passion was music. And when I was 13, that's when I started my first band, which ultimately we ended up touring and writing several albums. We were signed to a record label. We were on the radio. We really, really put our whole life into it. Uh, but I was ultimately, I had to choose between music and my school. You know, being that I had gone to uh, a yeshiva high school, which is, uh, you know, it has many gifts in its own right. But they were not fond of the fact that I was the lead singer of a band that was playing on the Sunset Strip, you know, at the House of Blues and the Whiskey A Go-Go and the Roxy and the Key Club and all the, every other Hollywood place that was out there. Uh, and there was dissonance. That's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and in the end, I was asked to leave, which was obviously very hard at the time. Like in my senior year, I was asked not to graduate, though my, my grade Point average was great, and I was a I was a pretty stellar student in a lot of ways, but uh, this was a contradiction. the 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 music and that world, you know, an expressive kind of creative, like out very outside the box. And then on the other hand, uh, you know, being in the yeshiva environment, 
uh, it kind of came to a heads and I had to make this decision, which was kind of the first major decision I had to make in my life, which was, do I choose my passion and my love over a, a high school degree? Right. Do I, do I, do I want to finish high school? Um, and, uh, I did, I, I chose music. My parents were very much, uh, behind my decision and they were very supportive. Uh, they're, they're both creative themselves. Uh, and that was, you know, that was a point in my life where I kind of had to taste it and say, okay, so it's not, you know, you're not always going to be part of a certain collective, right? You know, not, not everybody's going to agree with the things that you do. Um, and that was hard. Um, I didn't, I didn't really think about it too deeply at the time, but it was hard. It, it, you know, it was my first real face, fit, uh, face to face with uh, rejection. So, I mean, I can keep going. A lot of happened since then, but you, you no, tell it's, me. It's, I, there's I, so I, much that, you know, first of all, it's, it's fantastic um, that your parents were supportive. Your parents were pushing you one way or the other? Or, like... Well, they really wanted... They were working really hard to get the school um, to allow me to stay because their major argument was, he's a good kid. He's, he's a firm kid, right? He's... he's you know, he follows Torah and mitzvahs and, uh, you know, he's, he's generally, you know, connected, uh, with all the people in the community. Uh, it just happens to be, he's got this thing of, of music and, you know, kind of let him do it. You let him do it net all the way. The first three and a half years of high school, just let him do the last, it was January. So we were talking three months left, right? So like, why not? Uh, so they really wanted to find a way to bridge both worlds. But in terms of me, they really left it in my hands. Um, they, 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 put, they put a lot of trust and faith in me, and I, I really appreciate that. I mean, it's amazing to, to think. Um, I'm not sure how old your children are. How old is your oldest? Seven. Seven. Okay, so seven's a little bit young. I have married children. So to imagine that you would entrust a 17-year-old, maybe you were 18, depends if you're younger or older. In, uh, 17, yeah. At, at 17 to say that we trust you to make the right decision, I, I, I know where I'm coming from, that my wife <laughs> says, you know, you're young and inexperienced, let us tell you the right decision you should be making. We will help you. So that, that happens, see, in my mind, amazing. And I... How long did you stick with the music after you made that decision? Like, you were already playing, as you said, on the strip. I don't know. I mean, I was actually born in Sacramento, but I left it a year and a half, so. Right. So. The Sunset, Sunset Boulevard is, is basically there's a, a strip of land that goes, you know, several miles. And that's, it's, it's just full of all the major nightlife um, in Los Angeles uh, of all the, you know, concerts and uh, performances and things like that. So that was where we were playing. And... Uh, so then we, we, I stayed with it for another two and a half years uh, before I kind of had my own spiritual awakening. Uh, and my mother told me years later that that was the reason why she was okay with me doing it. She, she had such confidence that that turning point was going to happen at some point along the way. Well, that, that is amazing belief and trust in a child because I wonder, I mean, she made, she made the right decision. I mean, we, we see what you look like now. You see what you accomplish now, which we're going to talk about. But, but for a parent, I mean, okay, your children are young, but it, it's hard to imagine that when we see a child and, and allowing a child into the music world, which I am not 
you know, I don't know too much about the music world, but I, I don't can know imagine, what they were thinking. Right, like nowadays, <laughs> like just forget about like the drugs and the scene and and what's happening out there to allow the child to be immersed in that and say, but I trust my child. I, I, it's hard to imagine you would do the same thing for your own children. Just just saying. So what happened? Yeah, so you know, I, yeah. Go ahead. First, first yeah. comment. No, no, no. I think I think about that a lot. I do. That's something I think about, and it's conversations that I've had with my wife, uh, certainly about different decisions. That you know, what, well, what if our kids decide to go this way or that way? You know, when they're older. Um, but you know, trust and more trust was really instilled in us, and you know, both me and my wife um, as as children, and um, you know, fail, fail fast fail often, um, but learn to get back up uh, has, has been like a, a very deeply embedded motto in the way that we were raised. So uh, I don't know if I would do the same thing. I guess I'll have to see when we get there and see what I'm what I'm faced with. But uh, my sense is that, you know, this is, you know, you know, goes a long way. The way that you're raised goes a long way. So uh, we'll see. Wow, amazing. So we'll speed ahead. So two and a half years later, you made a turn. What happened? So, okay. So then, you know, life was going exactly as we wanted it to go. We, we you know, played for another six months before we got signed to a record label. And then once we got signed to a record label, which was a huge deal, um, you know, just even sitting there in the room signing, you know, each page of the contract, the dream kid has been, you know, trying to get a, a record contract. And then we made a, a you know, another record with this label and we went on two different tours uh but along the way uh someone had asked me how long are you going to do this for and i asked them how long am i going to do work for and they said play music so i said something to the effect of i'm gonna we're gonna do this until we're successful and then we'll settle down like you know i've always wanted to have a family i'm very much so family oriented person so it was clear to me that you know, music is not something that you're going to do forever, but you do it so you're successful and then you settle down. So he said, when's that? I said, when's what? He said, when is successful? And I said, you know, basically something to the effect of like, you know, go, he was holding a beer. So I told him to go have another beer. I said, like, stop talking to me. Like you're, you're getting, uh, you're getting weird. And, uh, but that question, I woke up the next morning and that question was kind of like burning in my mind. And, uh, you know, the day after that, it was still there and it, it didn't go away. This question of like, what is success? I'd never thought about it before. I was pursuing music because it was my love. It was my passion. It was everything that I wanted to do. And I started researching what 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 are the dimensions of success in the world of music? How many number one singles do you have to have? How many tours do you have to have been on? You know, like all the all the different kind of statistics so that I could give a measuring stick of like, OK, when I get here, so then we're good. Uh, and in the process of doing that, I I basically dug up all the bad things you would have ever wanted to find out about all the people that you were, you know, aspiring to become. And they either were never married or had been married to multiple people and never had children or had children with multiple people, had suffered from some form of addiction, suffered from some sort of psychiatric issue, whether it be uh, anxiety or depression. And many of them had either attempted or had committed suicide. So uh, I basically found out that my dream life was this sad, scared life of never having a family and then dying, like, or taking my life. Like, that was, like, the goal. And when I had that aha moment of this is, this is what I'm signing up for, 
it made me stop in my tracks and really rethink everything that was going on in my life. Uh, and that, that, that was like, that was the turning point. A after that, uh, I, I really began to do some inner work and a lot of searching to find out where, where was I going to find truth? Where was I going to find meaning? Where was, where was going to find my place in this very big world? Uh, and do I have to leave this passion behind? Wow. Unbelievable. It's just amazing. And again, how old were you at the time when you made that decision? 19 or 18? Yeah. That, that's like amazing. And, and almost anyone in your position who, who doesn't bother looking at success but looks at fame instead of success and decides that fame equals success and you figured out it's not um, is just amazing you made that turn because otherwise we wouldn't be having this conversation. And that would be the least of your um, difficulties, that's for sure. <laughs> So you went to Israel to study. What happened? What That's happened? right. So 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 once I had that that major shift, um, you know, really I wasn't sure what to do. Uh, it was you know one Friday night uh, right before I kind of made this major decision. I had I, at this point I was sure that I had to make a change. I wasn't sure what it was, and I had a neighbor who they happened to their door was open while my apartment door was open. It was facing each other. And they noticed that I was sitting at my Shabbos table by myself. I was alone, and they said, "Why? Why don't? Why aren't you out? Forget? Why aren't you out at someone's home as a guest? Or why aren't you having guests?" And I said, "My guests didn't show up." So they said, "Come have the meal with us." So I went to have the meal with them, and a few lachaims later, we were all very good friends, uh, though we had never met before, really, before that. And uh, he was probably the guy. The person who was living there was probably 27 or 28 and he looked at me and he said you look bothered I said yeah I am bothered I'm kind of going through this uh, major you know inner turmoil right now and he said well share it with me so I told him what was I told him the story that I just told you you know a little bit longer and he looked at me and said well do you know what you want your life to look like in 10 years and I said well I don't know I never thought about it but now that you're saying it I guess I would like and I, I, I described a very very clear picture and I was just going on and on about how you know, family and life and kids and here and school and this and really, really describing it. And the more I told him this vision of like what I'd really wanted for myself, this guy who I just met started crying. And uh, I looked at him, I said, why, why are you crying? And he said, I had a vision like that 10 years ago too. It was clear to me how I wanted my life to go. Um, but I didn't listen to what I knew was true. I listened to my parents who wanted me to go to Columbia. I had a scholarship to Columbia and uh, it took me 10 years to figure out that I totally left everything that had to do with myself. And he said, every day that you go by without taking action, you're just adding another black and white pixel to the, to the screen. He's like, and in very, very short time, that clear vision that you have right now is going to be gone. So you have to do something about it. And that lit a fire under me uh, where I probably would have given it more time, but it was so clear to me that I had to do something uh, that I made the decision to come to Yerushalayim. I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just had to get, go. I knew that people went to yeshiva. That's what I knew from high school, right? You, you go to yeshiva and you figure out what life is about. And so I, I came to Eretz Yisrael. I went to a place called Machon Yaakov. And then I fell in love. I fell in love with Torah. I fell in love with Yerushalayim. I fell in love with everything that was going on here. I had never really read a book till I was 20. I was only interested in MTV and playing video games and things like that. And then all of a sudden, I'm handed, you know, the keys to the uh, to the cosmic car of the universe, you know, called the Torah. And uh, it, it then I, I was done. 
I was done. I was, this is this is everything. Wow, I'm blown away. It's amazing. I, I am just in awe of of what somebody who actually sticks to what they believe will accomplish. And that's what we really hope everyone should be so intelligent. My time is flying. So this one we're going to take quick because I want to get into your newest book that you that you've uh, that I don't know if it's been published yet. We'll talk about it in a minute. Just one last one, but but we'll make it quick. So did you ever go back to your old teachers who threw you out of high school and said, "Look at me now. You could be proud." So the the truth in that answer is, unfortunately, yes, <laughs> I did. Um, I, I did go back. Uh, actually, one of them was here in in the country, and then uh, at a later date, I went back. I went back to the school for the first time after twelve years, and uh, it was a really unfortunate and kind of sad reality for me. You know, there there was one 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 of the teachers, one of the rebbeim there was was kind, and nice, and and showed a, a sense of appreciation of what had happened. But by and large, it was a very cold. Totally uninterested, almost like I don't even care type of experience. It was it was really jarring for me. I remember speaking to my wife afterwards, and just like it was the total recognition of I thought the whole time, looking back at my high school, that I was the one that was wrong or off. And obviously, the adult in the room, they were the ones that, that they they're right. That's what you assume that the adult is always right. Uh, and it took me time afterwards and after these encounters to have that kind of harsh reality that, well, no, you know, sometimes adults are wrong. And uh, they, they had a, uh, they just had a, had a different lens on life. They still have a different lens on life. And it was not the lens that I have. So uh, it was, it was kind of like there was a, a beautiful part in that process, which allowed me to let go of that time period of my life where I felt judged for who I was, and because as now that I'm older, I realize I wasn't judged for who I was. I, I wasn't really seen at all, um, and that's okay because that's where they are at in their journey in life, and that at least that much I can accept. Well, you know, it's 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 almost painful, and that's and that's the hard part. You've you've had an amazing journey. And the people who should be the most appreciative, well, most appreciative, of course, would be your parents. But after that, uh, the people who should appreciate what you became just missed the boat. But okay, so you became an author. So your latest book, I don't even have the whole title. It's all the same to us, a guide to, to and me. I forgot. Huh? It's all the same to me. But we can do it to us. Oh, I like that, oh, so, too. That, that could be the, that's going to be the sequel. So is it out in print? It is not out in print yet. I'm holding the, the only copy that exists ah. uh, for right now. Uh, but it's, it is at the printer. Release date is February 16th, but it'll be available for pre-order as early as the first week of January. And uh, we're very, very excited about it. What's it about? Tell me quick, in about uh, 45 seconds. What is, what's it all about? Well, the subtitle is A Torah Guide to Inner Peace and Love of Life. That's what it's about. It, it's about coming back to that state of equanimity of oneness of, of feeling good about oneself and good about the life that they're living good about the world that they're in um, and it's about deep connection connection to self to soul to god uh, and getting beyond some misnomer ideas of what ruchnius and spirituality is about and really connecting to it in a, in a very authentic and true way and do you use your own personal life to 
to work through the book or personal stories to show people how it's done? I think there are one or two stories in this book, but there's actually a second book, which I don't, I haven't spoken about yet too much to people, but there's another book that's going to, God willing, be coming out in about a year from now or a year and a half from now, which I wrote first. And that one's a lot more explicit, a lot of stories, a lot of the up and the down. I speak a little bit about my ups and downs in this book, but but it's not as clear as the other ones. This is more of a guide and a manual, and the other one will be a little bit more of a, a walkthrough. Unbelievable. Amazing, amazing. And my music is already playing. Moshe, this was amazing. I so appreciate you taking time. Um, if people want your book, I guess when it comes out, they'll go to the regular Jewish websites. You'll be able to get it everywhere. Amazon, Book Depository, Barnes & Noble, um, and I assume all the Jewish websites will have it too. So it'll, it'll be available everywhere. Cool. Moshe, thank you again. Have a great Shabbos. I hope people learned a lot. I learned a ton. Thank you again, Moshe. Have a great Shabbos. And we will be in touch, especially when you come out with the next book. <laughs> I mean, okay, have a beautiful Shabbos. You too. My music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Of course, I can't do it without my sponsors and listeners, and I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team in the back. We have David and Kelsey. I hope I left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and NM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.